0: Welcome to the Market Leaders Podcast, where you'll find valuable marketing and business development insights from legal innovators. The podcast series is brought to you by Ackert, the company behind Practice Boomers, Practice Viewer, and Practice Pipeline, the leading business development pipeline management tool for law firms. Hello and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert and today I am here with Kevin Iredell, the Director of Business Development at Struck and Trish Lilly, the CMBDO at Struck. Guys, great to have you with us today.
1: Thanks for having us, David. Nice to be here, David.
0: Very good. So the full name of your firm is Struck and Struck and Levan. We're going to call it Struck just to keep it uh, keep things brief today. Uh, and uh, we're here to talk a little bit about leadership. It's an exciting episode for us because we have the two of you in one interview. So typically we have an interview where it's more one-on-one. How appropriate that we would have two of the leaders in the marketing and business development team at Strook here in the same interview to talk about leaders. How do we create leaders on a team and ultimately lead them to success?
1: As a relatively seasoned leader, I'll defer to Kevin and let him start. <laughs>
2: Thank you, Trish, and thank you, David. If we just take a step back, I think one of the things that I've noticed about successful teams and successful marketing and business development departments is the amount of leaders that come out of those departments. So you think about a firm that is doing well and that is visible in the market and everybody's talking about, and then you start to see... Folks from that team, either being promoted within or moving to other leadership positions at different firms, and that got us thinking about well, what what makes a good leader, and you know, how do you how do you create that atmosphere? How does that atmosphere then lend itself to creating these leaders?
1: There's two elements to this, I think, that are important. So there's one: how do you become a leader. You know, if you're someone who's just inherited a director role or, or C-level role, how do you lead a team? And then the other aspect, the other side of that coin is how do you instill or foster or cultivate leadership among your team members? Across the board, one of the things that I think is just the most important, we both agree, is trust. You need to create space or a place where people can feel a little bit free to to think outside the box, to make mistakes, to exercise their leadership muscles and their decision-making capabilities. I think that's very important. It can be difficult, I think, too, when you're newly when you've newly inherited um, a team or you're building a team. It's really, it's, you know, like your mom used to say, or at least my mom used to say, "It's easier to do it myself." Sometimes it's much easier to do it yourself. It's quicker to do it yourself. It's a sure thing to do it yourself. And Precisely for all those reasons, it can be difficult to let go, to delegate, to give people the freedom to run with an idea or an initiative or a role or whatever it happens to be. So, you know, I think that as a leader, part of it is letting go and investing in your team and trusting, I mean, watching, verifying, making sure people are following along the path as they should, but at the same time, giving them that space to figure out their own style.
2: Trust is one of the key traits of leadership, and it's not, it's not a one-way street. Obviously, it's a two-way street. So gaining trust from your employees also is incumbent upon you to trust them. And as Trish said, letting them kind of figure their own way on some of the assignments that you give them, letting them grow in their confidence in completing tasks or completing assignments, working with different partners or practice groups giving them that leeway to kind of figure their own way and come back with the results to you, that builds trust on both sides. You get much better results in the end.
0: Now, leadership isn't just a nice-to-have. It really becomes a requirement when you're managing a team the size of the one you have at Stroke. So tell us, how many people are on the marketing and business development team at the firm? The
1: structure? Calls for about 13 roles. We also have, um, you know, a few folks on a, a consistent contract basis. So it's a fairly large and generously staffed team given the size of the firm. And I was with Fox Rothschild for 10 years, where we had 35 people. So I mean, I think anytime you're getting over five, you really want to make sure that you're developing folks and deploying folks out into whatever team they're running or whatever function they're running providing them with tools and examples from your own behavior um, and advice and resources so that they can lead in those areas.
0: And especially at a law firm where a business development or a marketing function is a bit of an expert in that environment, the lawyers are expert at practicing law, the marketing and BD folks are experts at uh, unique functions. And so they really have to lead the charge, as it were, even if they're at the manager level, they are the usually the the voice of expertise in the room in that particular discipline. So making sure that they are able to uh, show that leadership effectively, to earn the credibility of the lawyers so that they're willing to follow that advice and that support is really critical, especially in an environment where it's not necessarily easy to get a lawyer to trust you and to follow your lead.
2: And one of the keys to the success in doing that is communication. Communication within the team conveys that sense of expertise because we are smarter than me. So the sharing of best practices, the communicating of what works and what doesn't work and what we've done in the past and what other firms are doing and what other marketing departments outside of legal are doing. Sharing that internally, so having that open line of communication between the managers, between the executives, between the partners, that is a key factor in success.
1: Yeah, I mean, speaking to the point of authority, you know, decision-making is crucial. There are a lot of folks that I've encountered in my professional life who are paralyzed when it comes to decision-making. And I think that folks who develop into leaders and leaders who I have respected and enjoyed working with are not afraid to make decisions. They go about reaching those decisions in various ways, but I think invariably they share information, they collaborate, they collect opinions, and they make those decisions. By that same token, when you are mentoring people and turning them into leaders, I think part of what you need to do is push them, whether, you know, if they're uncomfortable, which oftentimes junior managers or newer managers may be, Pushing them toward decision making. That's not to say push them off the ledge, um, because that's unhelpful. Basically saying, hey, okay, so here are all these facts you've gathered. Here's what you've brought to me. What would you do? What is your decision? You know, force them to make that decision, not necessarily in real life, but at least in a conversation with you. And they begin to get comfortable exercising that decision making muscle, which I think goes to developing as a leader.
0: Okay, so we're starting to get tactical, which I think is smart, because we're discussing some pretty big ideas. We're talking about leadership, we're talking about communication, we're talking about confidence. And of course, you know, listening to this podcast, I might be thinking to myself, well, those are all great, but how do I make that happen within my team? And Trish, you just gave us a fantastic sort of here you are, here's your field guide on how to coach someone to be able to make decisions more effectively. You say, all right, here are the facts, and you need to make a decision, and we're gonna trust you that you're gonna make the right decision. So what decision would you make and then run with it?
2: So if you think about the analogy in the military, you know, the, the, the sergeant who's leading the platoon isn't always the fastest or the strongest or even the smartest person in that group, but they enable their team to get the job done. And so back to your point about what tactics you use, very simply, something like praise in public, criticize in private. You know, you want to encourage what's working and then you want to fix what's not working on the side and in private. There's the cliche, uh, fail forward. So, even somebody who makes a mistake, if they learn from that mistake, well, there's a valuable lesson there and the team can do better, the firm can do better, your department can do better, et cetera. So, some of the tactics are, again, Leadership is a behavior. So the things that you do on a daily basis in terms of promoting the folks that are doing a good job, promoting the behaviors that you see that lead to leadership, such as communication, pitching in when somebody else is struggling, or always being willing to help out in a a way that may not be their area or may not be their responsibility, and proactively looking for ways to be helpful.
0: I like that. So praise in public, criticize in private. And you're always looking through the lens of what has this person done that is uh, praiseworthy, that I could actually bring to everyone's attention and lift them up, bolster their confidence and place them in more of a leadership light.
1: I think that's it. And When you are already in a leadership position, you're where you need to be. So your job is to position these folks to report into you. In that leadership light as you said and I think that you know sometimes you may want to say oh my god what were you thinking when someone does something you know you take your breath you have that conversation in private and I don't even think you frame it that way I mean part of cultivating leaders and team members who think like leaders is getting them to think out what they've done or what they are doing and things like that so if there's something that didn't go particularly well I think the more effective way to approach that with someone when you're debriefing is, you know, why do you think this failed? What do you think we could have done better? I mean, the royal we is really good to employ in lots of places, um, particularly when you're when you're dealing with something that didn't go too well. Um, I also sometimes I think, you know, I certainly was guilty of this earlier in my career. You know, you get fired up about an issue and you want to go, I don't know, set a bunch of houses on fire or something. You know, you occasionally, as a leader, have people come to you and say, this is ridiculous and I don't want to whatever. They're being emotional about their decision-making. And I think one of the things that you can really do to mentor them and to help them develop greater maturity in how they look at situations is to say, okay, what do you want to accomplish here? So get them to think about it more strategically. Okay, what what is the upshot? What do you want to accomplish? Where do you want to go with this? So, you know, not that I'm going to go all Socratic method about everything, but sit back and ask questions rather than offering what you think the right answer is because, you know what, as Kevin said, you may be leading that team, but you may not have all the right answers or all the answers. Let your burgeoning leaders think these things out themselves and that cognitive process is going to make where they come out a lot more meaningful and it's going to resonate more in the long term with them.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think a key point there is that it's much easier as a leader, to be confident in the success of your team if you know the direction that you're heading in. So Trish touched on the strategic plan and thinking strategically. If you know where we need to end up and you know what the purpose of whatever reaction your team is having, if you know where you want to get to, it's a lot easier to sit back and say, okay, let's think about this rationally. And is that the best course of action to burn the houses down or <laughs> to step back and say, is there a different way that we can handle this? Because we're both heading towards the same outcome, hopefully.
1: It may be the best course of action, the first thing that they suggested, but you want to make sure that they're thinking about it comprehensively and you want them to begin engaging in this assessment all the time of, you know, what's the best way to approach things? Um and then when they do well, and lovely feedback comes in, don't take the credit for it. You know, you can always bask in the limelight and let them have their moment in the sun. You just look good when you're when you're hanging on the sidelines and your folks have performed well.
0: I want to change gears a little bit here. We're talking so much about communication, and I think that it is a key component in managing people effectively. And so often we find ourselves in cultures, I think, especially in in many law firms where no news is good news, right? I mean, if you get called into your superior's office, it's usually a bad thing. So how do we find opportunities to praise people's strengths, whether it's in public or in private, when they're already performing pretty well and we haven't been blown away recently?
2: So I think it goes back to the behavior of being a leader. And I think that regular, open and candid conversations on a regular basis is key to that. Because no one should ever be surprised when you have that call to come into my office. If you're constantly reaffirming what they're doing right and trying to correct things that might not be going in the same direction that you'd like them to be going, they shouldn't be surprised. And again, it goes back to building their confidence and building their abilities. I think that that... Open communication, constant communication is extremely important. And let's face it, we're in marketing and business development, communication is what we do. So if we can't openly and candidly communicate with our team, then there's probably something else wrong.
1: The more that you're talking to them, the easier it is to have difficult conversations. Those conversations aren't that tough because you're not just having them two or three or even one time a year, right? You're consistently giving feedback to them.
2: That behavior in particular, that open and candid communications with your employees, that's making you a better leader. And it's showing them the example that difficult conversations don't have to be that difficult. They don't have to be just once a year when review time is up. It builds your skills. It reinforces that behavior, and it shows a great example.
0: Yeah, well said. I want to call out a couple of takeaways here that I think are worth repeating. Kevin, you talked about increasing the frequency of candid conversation. So I think that starts with some of that self-awareness that you alluded to, Trish, where you know, take a look at your leadership style. If you're not someone who tends to give a lot of positive reinforcement, you mostly give critical feedback, maybe it's time to balance that out. But either way... Look at how frequently you are in communication with your team and make sure that you're elevating the frequency of communication. Trish, you talked about the idea of coaching people in making decisions by laying out a fact pattern and saying, So, what decision would you make here? How how would you navigate this? And giving them kind of a safe environment in which to do that. Uh, Kevin, you talked about praising in public criticizing in private. I think that's a, a great nugget that we can all kind of repeat in our heads as a mantra and and keep in mind the next time we see an opportunity to praise someone, even if it is praising an existing strength. And Trish, I like this pregame postgame model you talked about as well. Starting off with all right, this is the pregame conversation. What do you want to accomplish? What are your objectives? And then a postgame. What did we do well? What did we learn? How are we going to do this differently next time? You know, a lot of these things are principles that we've probably all heard before. But I can certainly tell you as a leader in my own company, I could easily look at each of these and say, Oh, I missed it that week. And "Whoop, well, I should probably be doing more of this. And yeah, I do that. Okay, but I could do a better job. I mean, I think that's also part of that self feedback loop that we as leaders have to constantly be keeping an eye on so that we can move the needle for ourselves as well.
2: One of the measures that I use to decide whether I'm currently being a good leader or or not is I look at folks on my team who have gotten promoted in the last six months or the last year. So as I'm going through and doing my my own self-review, I think about who have I gotten promoted, who has gotten promoted out of the team or who has moved up within the team. And I use that as the litmus test to see how am I doing. But if I look back and I say, OK, two people have gotten promoted and one person has you know, moved up and other people have taken on more responsibilities, that's how I measure myself. If you look at it from what are my peers doing and how are their teams look today versus a year ago and how does my team look today than it did a year ago, I, I think that's a pretty good way to look at it.
0: Yeah, I like that. Since we are praising in public here, I want to acknowledge that it takes some courage to stand up and say, I'm here to talk about leadership. It's one of those things that some people would rather just sort of do and not necessarily draw attention to themselves as leaders. But the two of you are not only leaders in your own firm, and you clearly have a lot of things that you want to say about this and a lot of feelings you have around leadership, but you also practice what you preach. You uh, lead quite generously in the Legal Marketing Association, you're chairing committees. Uh, Trish, I know you've been doing this for probably more years than you care to count. And Kevin, you're right behind her on that. So I just really acknowledge the the generosity that the two of you have displayed as leaders in our community, both professionally and personally, and sharing some of those thoughts on today's program.
2: It's been a pleasure. Thank you, David.
1: Thanks for having us, David.
0: Thank you for listening to the Market Leaders Podcast. For more business development resources, visit ackertinc.com.